0: It's good to see you today. We're going to pick back up our series we started a few months ago called Foundations at Northwood Church. Uh, One of the things that we truly believe God has instructed us to do, as, as most churches, but is discipleship, right? Discipleship is a big part of our walk with God. And so uh, we need a foundation on which to build and grow as a disciple. What are those foundational things? And so often I find that people, they get saved, they go to church, and well, they, they miss out or gap out on some of the foundational elements of Christianity. And so when the enemy attacks, and he will attack, right? When he attacks, we have nothing to fall back on. We have no solid foundation to grow on. So we've been kind of walking through some of the foundational elements of Christianity. And we're going to continue that today. Uh, A few weeks ago, the last time we talked about this, we shared about the church and uh, some of the the why of the church and why it exists and the purpose of the church. And that was part one. Today we're going to hit part two of the church. And so today we're going to dial into something um, a little more uh, practical, something we just did, actually, just the hanging out time we just had together. But we're going to talk about fellowship today, uh, the, the, the idea of fellowship, what it means, and why it's important. Um, this series that we're doing um, is part of our mission statement. We exist as a church to create Christ-centered communities that help people to know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Christ returns. And so for us to be able to do these things, right, discipleship, to be able to know God, to know Him experientially and as well as intellectually, to be able to grow in Christ and mature, as the Bible instructs us to do, and for us to be able to effectively go and, and have it apologetic in our pocket to where when we go, we sit with mama or we sit with cousin or we sit with that co-worker, or classmate, that we've got... There's something, some grit, right? Something to talk about that matters. Something that's not just Jesus loves you, although that's a good starter. But an apologetic. So if we're going to have this, uh, this uh, idea of, of knowing God, growing in Christ, and going in the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we've, we've got to be discipled. And so this series is an, an effort to do that. We're going to actually, uh, next year at this time, this same series that we've preached through the spring, we're going to use it as a small group curriculum Uh, for new people to the church and so you know every time we gather just in general in life every time we gather there's always a central focus there's a reason we're there right office party maybe football game uh, you know, get together for your class reunion. How many of y'all got together for your class reunion this year? It's that time of year. You know, there's a reason that we gather, a central focus. And when we gather with this central focus in mind, there's always an affection and affinity that grows for that experience. Maybe for that person, if you're meeting with a person, with that group of people, if you're meeting with several people, or for a cause, if you're meeting for a cause, and. Each time we attend, we go back again, we go back again, maybe it's a football game, and we go each week, our affection, our affinity towards that group of people, it Grows. We witnessed it here in our community several times uh, in the last few years. You know, our girls' soccer team at Stone High School. I know there's other high schools represented, but won the state championship last year, and then again this year went all the way and participated state championship. Carissa, Coach Chris is sitting right over here. Chris, you saw it. You saw the 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 uh, affinity, the affirmation that came from the community. People rallied. I came out to one of the playoff games, and the sidelines were packed. Right. Now, that's not normal in a season game, although, you you know, the crowds are there. But but you could see people, each week the crowd grew. They're going to go to the state championship. We saw it with our football team, Nathan, uh, this past year. My goodness, the the whole community. There were people driving from Forest County to Gerald Stone County. (laughs) There's some of our Forest County folks in here. Boo. Uh, But, but people were coming from all around. The stadiums were packed, right, because there was a cause, and it grew. The affinity grew. People, man, people got signs in the yards, Tomcat for life, that never even went to Stone High School. <laughs> it's affinity, right? There's a reason, and we gather to increase that affinity and affection. It's value is what it is. We're deciding to place value on something, whatever that something is. We're deciding to place value. It's a, well, it's a prioritizing. We chose not to do one thing to do this something that we're doing. A decision, a priority to add value. So today we're talking about the church, and the church is a place where we gather, gathering that centers around Jesus. That is our common central focus, is Jesus, the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, uh, we believe that creating Christ-centered communities, that's why it's in our vision statement, it reminds us why we gather. Why do we do this? We don't do it for the show, although I love the worship, I love, I love the different elements, I love the people and the experience. We are doing this for Jesus. We're doing this because we all love God and we believe that it is His command for us to gather like this. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the saints, Right? Jesus instructs us to gather. When we gather, our affection and affinity for each other, for the cause of Christ, for the bigger church, it grows. It grows. Our affection and affinity for Jesus grows as we gather. It's important. Every week, each one of you as Christians, each Christian, is faced with making the decision, am I going to gather with the body? every Sunday. And, and for some of you, it's a no-brainer, right? It's who you are. It's what you do. You, you're, you've been doing this for a while. Your affection, your affinity is, you're locked in. You're all in. Others of you, and I get it, I'm not knocking you, but others of you, it's a decision you have to make on Sunday mornings. You know, d- do I gather or not? When you do make that decision, and you did today, you're deciding to add value to this cause of Christ. You're adding value to the body of Christ. You say, it. your decision is that I believe this is what God wants me to do. It connects you with the body of Christ, their greater cause. You decided to go to church today. Congratulations. Give yourself a hand of applause. Come on. just Yes. Isn't that awkward? It's kind of awkward. But, but we should. We should applaud ourselves. We've done it. Growing in affection and affinity towards one another can be summed up in the word fellowship. Fellowship, an old school word from the Bible. Fellowship is one of the four things mentioned in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, number one. That's the Bible. And to fellowship, what we're going to talk about today, and to breaking of bread. We talked about this a few weeks ago in this series Communion. And to prayer. And to prayer, and we talked about that in this series already as well. Those are the four things the early church did. This is the church right right brand new church Jesus was resurrected the holy spirit came on the day of pentecost the church was born and immediately they were getting together to talk about the words of Jesus they were getting together to fellowship with one another they realized the value of the affinity that we have towards one another they got together to do communion to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ as well as to pray these four things are what the church does when it gathers. there should be what the church does. These four things are what we endeavor as a church to do when we gather. We do these things often. Today, we're going to talk about fellowship. The word fellowship in Acts 2.42 is the word koinonia, which means partnership, participation, or sharing something in common, common unity. It's called koinonia, fellowship, Fellowship is not a casual relationship, but a spiritual bond that is rooted in the love of Christ and sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit more than just hanging out. We've said this many times over the years, you know, this this isn't just a club. This isn't just a hangout or a social gathering. This is a spiritual experience that we get to be a part of each week when we come together. And it's not just in this room, of course, but this is the main way we gather. This is a spiritual experience. The Holy Spirit of God, God Himself is here in the midst of this gathering, and He's knitting us together. I I, I got to buzz around the room. I made the whole lap during the 10-minute countdown, and I was watching to see people connect. I was listening. The buzz level was high in the room, right? The, the chatter was high in the room. People were gathering. I don't know if the questions helped you or not, but, but, or if you even needed them. But, but we, you could hear people were, were connecting. They were talking. Sometimes we, we connect with those that we're familiar with, but today we were connecting with others because we were forced into it. But, but we were connecting with others, and, and the Holy Spirit of God was in the room moving in the midst of the connection. That was a holy moment because we're the church. We're the church. We're God's idea. He brought us here today. He brought us together. It's a spiritual experience. We get a good idea of what fellowship looks like as we continue in the chapter 2 of Acts. Verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together. They were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as they, as any had need. Now, culturally and, and contextually, you, if you know what's going on here, the early church was under persecution, and it were hard times. There were hard times around them, and there were a lot of people who didn't have um, the amenities that others had, and they were literally literally saying, "I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna let that happen in, in my day, not on my watch." And people were literally selling their properties. They were giving it to the church or they were giving it to one another, helping one another out, feeding one another, making sure that everybody had plenty to eat, plenty of things to live in life. They were giving to one another as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord, in the context of all this, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You had this excitement in the early church where people were gathering, again, a spiritual experience. They were gathering together. They were loving on one another, and they were growing in their affinity towards one another. They were like, man, you know, what can we do to help you? And what can I do to help you? And serving one another, they were hearing the preaching they were gathering in the temple the temple was an open-air temple they would have gathered it was huge it was huge and so they would have gathered maybe on the side uh it, was, it would not have been uncommon to gather at solomon's portico which kind of was a, a covering on the side they would gather over there and hear one of the apostles teach the experiences that they had had you know what they had heard jesus to say and they would teach and then they would pray for one another they would break bread and and here it says they would meet uh, it says day by day, but you can imagine, I doubt they were meeting every day, although they, some of them might have been meeting every day because that was where they got their meal that day. But others maybe were meeting once a week, but they were meeting in homes. And so, hey, we're going to meet at Jeffrey and Morgan's house. And then some of y'all are going to meet over here at Philip and Nikki's house. And Brad and Nancy, y'all get a group and meet over there. And they were meeting together. They were gathering. They wanted to be together. They wanted to be together. There was a common bond between them. And it does remind me of even today's church, this church. We love one another. We love being together. Now, some people, especially in, in modern times, view what we read in the book of Acts chapter 2 as prescriptive. In other words, what we see them doing, we should do it exactly like they did it. And if you're not doing it exactly like they did it in the book of Acts, then you're wrong. Over the years, and, and we're not alone in this, but we've we've kind of used another word. We kind of view it as descriptive. The text describes what they did, and we use that as a pattern for us, for what we do. But we, we're not necessarily having to do it just like them. We're We're not meeting in an open-air temple under Solomon's Solomon's portico, necessarily. We've adapted to modern culture, but we're doing the same things. We're breaking bread together. If you were at Jones Park uh, a few weeks ago, as we gathered together, we broke some hamburger bread together, some literal bread. We, we, we ate together. Some of us, Philip had his trailer there smoking some chicken legs, and some of you got some of that. But we were eating together. It was a time of fellowship. And then we also, every month as a, as a church, we, we include the, the Lord's Supper, communion, as part of our service because... Jesus told us to do it often, but also it's a reminder of what Christ did for us, and that is, in and of itself, breaking bread together. Those of you that meet in groups, uh, some of the groups that meet in homes, you have food and you break bread together. So we're doing some of the same things. Uh, We we do, this is the temple version of what they did in the early church. They met in the temple. We're doing that today. The big church service on Sundays would be an example of that. We meet in the homes, or we meet in small groups, sometimes in this room even, but We meet in small groups, and we're able to grow in our affinity towards one another in those contexts. And then we distribute proceeds. And the way we do it is currently is through our missions arm. You know, ten percent of everything that's given we we just heard about giving today. Ten percent goes into our missions fund, and we're able to support local ministries. We're able to support global church planting and everything in between. We're able to distribute the proceeds. To help other people. We helped plant over a thousand churches in the last 10 years through our missions giving. That means there are a thousand churches out there that are meeting like this, gathering like this. And we had a little part to do in that because we're willing to invest in the vision of Christ to preach the gospel to the whole world. In an effort to align with Acts chapter 2, we aligned our values as a church to help us to focus on what really matters. We value people. We value hospitality. It's a biblical term, a biblical concept. We value community. We value stewardship. And we value health. These are all elements that we draw from Acts chapter 2 when you read through these scriptures. What did it look like in the early church? We want to do the same thing. And so our values, which our values shapes our culture, and our culture is what you feel when you walk into this place. The love you share with one another, it's, it's, it's the culture. The culture of our church. And we want to be as much like the book of Acts, but not exactly like the book of Acts. Does that make sense? It's descriptive versus prescriptive. So I want to share with you a couple of the benefits. Now, there's probably way more than we can name today, but a couple of the main benefits of biblical fellowship. Biblical fellowship. The first one is belonging. Belonging. Joining a church community creates a sense of belonging and companionship with one another. Uh, Psalm 68, a very uh, well-known scripture Verse 5 says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, God sets the lonely in families. God takes us from without a family out there, and I can go back and look at when I first got saved, God took me from my isolation, my desolation, my place of loneliness, and He put me in a family. And immediately, immediately, I had friends in the church, people that cared for me, people that were there with me, people that were willing to walk through my Tough experiences with me. Come on, how many of you have experienced belonging as you've joined the church? Uh, Maybe not just here, but just you've, you've experienced that. It's one of the things that is really a hallmark of the local church. It should be. And I don't know that it's that way everywhere. But our goal here at Northwood is to create a place of belonging where you can feel like you are a part of something bigger than yourself, a community, a family. We preached that a few weeks ago. We're the family of God. Belonging is so important. Belonging adds value to our lives. It tells us that we matter. We matter. You know, God went to great lengths to show us that we matter. We are precious in His sight. He tells us we're created in the very image of God. That in and of itself adds value to us. We are valuable. The enemy likes to beat us up and tell us, you're worthless, you're no good. Oh, I know what you did. Yeah, you're no good. But God says, No. I paid for that, because you're worth it. And then he puts us in a family; he puts us together as the family of God, and we have the opportunity to connect with one another, to serve one another, lift one another up. The second benefit of biblical fellowship is encouragement. Now, you know, encouragement is one of those things like it's like food. If you're hungry, you eat. If you're not hungry, eh, don't want any food. Encouragement's that way. You know, we don't always need encouragement, right? There are some days we need more encouragement than others, but we all need encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So as we grow in our affinity towards one another, as we connect in the local church, as we become part of the community and we feel a sense of belonging, there are certain things that biblically... Are prescribed to us that we should be doing for one another. And so in our relationships with one another, um, one of the things that we can do, and you should do, and you can kind of put this in your pocket, but we should pray for one another. That's a no-brainer, right? Doesn't that make sense? We should pray for one another. But do you pray for other people? I encourage you to look for opportunities. There's always going to be one. Look for opportunities to pray for people. It's so easy, it's so easy to get busy in life. With our jobs and our careers and school, for some of you, uh, taking care of our homes and, of course, you know, raising our children and all that goes with that, it's so easy to forget there's anybody else in the world. It's so easy to just focus on me, me, me. But as we connect with the local church and we we form a bond, a relationship, one of the greatest things you can do for somebody is pray for them. Now, now. On the one hand, that can sound like a cliché. I'm praying for you, right? Just like a way of escape. Hey, I got to go. I'm praying for you. (laughs) Bye. You know, I mean, it it can be. But if we believe in prayer, if we believe God really hears our prayers, that, that, that our prayers matter to God, He teaches us to pray, He instructs us to pray, encourages us to pray. If we believe that God hears our prayers, that is one of the most valuable things we could do for one another. Um, I taught this years ago, but um, Jesus, on the night that he would be arrested and eventually crucified, um, sat down with his disciples, and they, they had a meal together. And, and somewhere during that meal, he, he got up from the meal, and he took off his jacket or his robe or whatever he was wearing there, and he put on a towel. And he got down on his knees, and he went to each one of those disciples, and he washed their feet. He washed their feet. And it was a very special thing for the master to wash his disciples' feet. Uh, even Peter was like, no way, you can't do this. But he did it, and he did it as, a, as an act of service for sure. Years ago, I kind of painted this picture. I'll paint it again. When we pray for people, it's like washing their feet. I mean, we don't do foot washings because we wear shoes and socks and we take showers, right? A little different. Culturally, we don't have the need to wash people's feet, but the idea, the concept of serving someone in that manner, it's still the same. We have the opportunity to wash people's feet when we pray for them. I encourage you, if if you're not one to do this, to, to consider finding someone, maybe someone in this room, someone that you're connected with, someone you don't maybe know very well, but you know them enough. You sit across the aisle from them and ask them, what can I be praying for you? simple question, right? How could I be praying for you? And then take a moment sometime this week to pray for them. Just talk to God on their behalf and just ask God to move on their behalf. And you don't have to do this, but wouldn't it be super encouraging if you text them, I'm praying for you today. Wow. How many of you would enjoy getting a text like that? I'm praying for you today. Someone's Talking to God on your behalf. It matters. So, encouragement's a big part, a benefit of biblical fellowship. Oh, we don't just pray, we exhort, we teach, we admonish. Sometimes we need somebody to scold us a little bit. The, the third thing, the last thing on benefits of biblical fellowship would be comfort. Comfort is something, again, like encouragement, we don't always need it. It's not every day we need to be comforted, but there are times in life when maybe we're hurt or we're lonely. Man, you can be on top of the world, and all of a sudden, the enemy hits you like a ton of bricks, and all of a sudden, you feel ah, heavy, or you feel depressed, and and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't shake it. Oh, my goodness, what are people going to think? And Man, this has happened to me before. and. And you can't shake it. You're like, oh. you, go, you pray, you worship, you do whatever you can do. You go, and, and oftentimes we go to other things and medicate ourselves in different ways. But we're trying to escape this pressure that we're feeling. And the thing we really need is to be comforted. We need somebody to come alongside us and put our, their arm around us and say, hey, it's going to be all right. Hang in there. Come on, be courageous. You can make it through this. Don't give up. I like how 2 Corinthians 1.4 says it. Now, I'm going to read it to you in the message. It's a paraphrase, so it's like a commentary. But it says this in 2 Corinthians 1.4. He comes alongside us. He's talking about God. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. God has helped every one of us through something for a reason so that we can comfort others. Imagine with me you've got a, a sling over your shoulder or a bag hanging on your back full of comfort and you're walking around with it. Are you doing anything with it? Are you using the comfort that God gave you when he brought you through that thing that you were going through? And when you see it that way, you realize, I mean, I can make a difference in somebody else's life and somebody else needs my comfort. There are people all over this room that need to be comforted today. And maybe you even came here today to be comforted because of your life scenario, your circumstances. And there are people sitting in front of you and behind you that have a bag full of comfort, right? An experience that they can comfort you with. Let's give comfort. And the natural inclination is... I just, I, I'm busy, or I don't know, I don't know them well enough. Or, oh, we have so many excuses. Really, honestly, and, and I'm saying this to me too, but it, sometimes we're just selfish. But know this, that God wants to use you to comfort someone else that might be sitting right there in front of you or behind you. That's kind of why we did the 10-minute thing today, just to kind of break more of the ice, just kind of break it down a little bit, just to see. I, I've had people to tell me, you know, man, I, well, I've had conversations with people that, Ray, I'm just going to point you out cause it's not you. But people like Ray that might be talking and they're like, man, uh, I didn't even know that person went to church here. And they, it might be Jay. <laughs> Look at Jay real quick, Ray. <laughs> yeah, literally. No, this is crazy. We can literally come to church, sit that close in proximity, across the aisle, straight up. Across the aisle and never know that person. And it can it can go on for years, y'all. And that's that's not who we are as a church, right? Culturally, but it's just reality as human beings. And so that's okay if you're going to the movie theaters. You kind of want to be alone, right? But not when you have a bag full of comfort and the guy across say, I'll need your comfort. It's biblical, it's part of the benefits of biblical fellowship. We be able to comfort one another. But we've got to know one another to comfort one another. And so, anyway, just a couple of things there. One, one more thing under comfort. And this is, this is, this is important. I, every one of us in this room sins. We're all a sinner, right? Now, we're saved by grace and we're in Christ. So the sin is covered by the righteousness of God. But some of you sinned yesterday. Some of you sinned last week. We, 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 we still sin. We live a repentant lifestyle. We bring it under the blood, right? We come to Christ. I do it every Sunday. I I can't preach unless I do it. I just have to go to God and say, God, would you wash me in the blood of Jesus? Come come to the cross. I have to do that. I just, I got to feel just me. But when we sin, and again, everybody does. When we sin, we feel shame and guilt. And comfort is to look at somebody who just sinned and said, I love you. God forgives you. It's acceptance. It's not accepting the sin, right? We know better. Come on. But it's saying Jesus died for that sin. Now, let me contrast that with rejecting them because they sinned. You know, Philip, he sins, and everybody around him was like, get back, he's a sinner. Everybody make way. Center in the house, you know, I mean, we don't do that literally, but that's what Philip feels like we're doing because he's the one in shame and guilt. Comfort, biblical comfort, it falls under the context of biblical fellowship is when we come up to guys or people and say, I love you, Christ forgave you, let me walk through this reconciliation process, this healing process with you. It's it's loving. Does that make sense? Do, Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, I just, I just punched the enemy in the nose when I did that, y'all, because some of you have been fighting this thing. He's been in your head telling you, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. You're just a sinner. You're, you're, you're nasty. Nobody loves you, and that is not true. So you see again why comfort, that bag of comfort on your shoulder is so important because the person next to you or in front of you or behind you might be feeling condemned, and you have the opportunity to show them the love of God. Again, we're not accepting sin we don't accept it in our own lives, right? Yet we're accepting the fact that Christ died for sin and we're to love one another. So I want to I show a quick video just to kind of illustrate some of the benefits. Let's show that video, Liv.
1: My name is Sam and I'm originally from Enterprise, Alabama. And a uh, little over two years ago, uh, God called me over here to Mississippi and I've been at Northwood Church since then, and it's been an amazing couple years for me. I was raised in a Christian household. Parents were strong believers. On the way to school, we'd pray. Before dinner, we'd pray. Before bed. I was baptized at age 11 and really did believe in God, really knew God loved me, and that I was meant to live for him. As I grew uh, in my faith and just matured as a young man, you know, I started realizing more about who God was and how much he loved me and the nature of of God. Yeah, I would go to church um all the time my family i would have my spiritual high moments but there's still bits and pieces of me that i was holding back partly because of previous sins that i had done um current sins that i was still living in and and just felt um, like those were still just lingering on in my mind and it wasn't until you know later on where i got around some really good godly mentors and they pushed me and challenged me and to grow in my faith i would not have found that freedom in christ without uh, without really being pushed and, and being around these godly mentors and friends. I am who I am today because I've chosen to give God my all and surround myself with the right people. Northwood Church has allowed me to do that. Uh, not only do I have a great place to worship on Sunday mornings, but I've got a great group of people around me to call my friends, and uh, this is a place just that I get to call home.
0: Sam's a good guy, but he struggles just like you and I. We need one another. So there's these benefits, but there's also some barriers. There's barriers that we all face to biblical fellowship. Um, one of them is, is kind of like the obvious one. It's, it's bad experiences. Some of you grew up in churches and you've had bad experiences in those churches um, with people, right? People have hurt you. People have said things, maybe gossiped about you. People have done that. Maybe you were part of that and uh, it's just bad experiences. They, it, they impact us. They cause us to not want to lean in they cause us to come to a church like this, we want to hide you know, somewhere you know, in the midst, not lean in, not connect with people, because we are afraid that the people here are going to do what the people did back then. And you know what? Let me, let me, let me just shoot you straight. Yeah, it sure could happen here, too, because people are mean. <laughs> all of us are. You are, too. We all need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, you and I were talking the other day, and we we're like, we're all hypocrites, <laughs> We all are. We all say, I love Jesus, and we sin. That's a hypocrite, y'all. We're all hypocrites. Join the club. We all need Jesus. And your your bad experiences are valid. I get it. And you need healing, yes, and God wants to heal you. But don't, don't believe the enemy when he says you can't trust people. Trusting people, the risk involved with trusting people, the risk of the pain, the rejection, the hurt that can come from trusting people again for some of you. Is what makes it so valuable. If there was no risk, there'd be no value. And we reject, we hold people at arm's length, and and, oh, the enemy loves that because we never experience true biblical fellowship. Bad experiences in the church can cause us to fear vulnerability and lack trust in others. I believe it's the number one reason people quit attending church and there's People in our lives that will not step foot inside the church because somebody hurt them. And I know people personally that are that way. Somebody hurt them in the church. And I get it. I get it. Ouch, it hurt. But well, Let me encourage you today. Don't let that be a hurdle for you. The second thing, the second barrier would be individualism. You know, again, in our culture, and I mentioned earlier how busy we are. Man, it's like spinning plates. I got to take care of my job, make some money. got to take care of other spinning plates. They're on sticks. Y'all know that? This is a show from the 70s. Jay, you know what I'm talking about. Spinning plates, my, my career, my, my, my family, I got my kids, oh, softball, oh, and then my T ball in the sun, oh, the plate on the end over here is falling. Let me go back and spin it again. And that's, that's our lives. It's just spinning plates, spinning plates. And we don't really, we, we don't feel like we have time for anything else. We don't have time for anything else. We do because, you know, when Fantasy Football League comes around, we jump right in. You know, it's like, oh, new plate. <laughs> but, ah, uh, we don't feel like we have time to connect with people and so we there it's a barrier it's a barrier the third thing that is a barrier to entering in leaning in to biblical fellowship is that we're spiritually unhealthy and this is this is very common y'all and it, and it may be your story um, but Because we've sinned, because we have the shame that came from that sin. And well we we, we live with a mask on. We live with a mask on. It's it's a form of deception, but we 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 come to church and we put the mask on. You know, you walk through the door and 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 everybody does this, but you know, how you doing? (laughs) Great. And you know in the back of your mind you're not great. Life's a mess. Or you've sinned, you've screwed up. You're all jacked up and you put on the mask, though. Hey, it's a masquerade party. We're all wearing masks. Hey, I'm great. How are you? I'm great, too. All right, we're all great. Everybody's great. Have a donut. <laughs> but spiritually, we're unhealthy. Maybe you're trapped in a cycle of sin, or it seems like you are. And you're trying to get out and you can't get out. You feel like that hamster on the, the wheel. You're just running, 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 getting tired. Of doing this, you've even started medicating. You've started drinking. You've started, you know, whatever pills or porn or whatever you've you found to medicate you to numb you from the reality of your misery. And you're, ah, I can't do this any longer. Right? You, this is what we do. This is what we do. And we're spiritually spiritually unhealthy. If we are actively pursuing a relation, if we are not actively pursuing a relationship. With God, it can be difficult to connect with others who are. We're running into a lot of things. We're trying to numb ourselves. I get it. I've been there. I've been that guy. We're trying to escape the reality of our misery. But in that, we're not turning to God. We're not trusting God. We're not allowing God to comfort us, to meet us where we are, to heal us, to forgive us, to wash the shame away, the sin away. We're not taking advantage of a spiritual connection with the Holy Spirit. And if we're not doing that, it's very difficult to have a relationship with someone who is. You know, I I fully believe this, that if you would put as much energy into loving God as you've been putting into stopping the sin, the sin would fall away. It's so hard, isn't it? Because we think we've got to stop sinning. We do. We think we've got to stop sinning. We think that's the key. And you'll never do that on your own. Fall in love with Jesus. Run to Him. Press into Him. And it will reciprocate with others. So let me wrap up with this. Cultivating biblical fellowship. Number one, we've got to love one another. You know, it's biblical. It's following the command of Jesus to love one another. Love God and love people. 1 John 4, 7 says, Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 1 Corinthians tells us love is patient and kind. It does not envy and does not boast. It hopes, it trusts, it's humble. Loving one another. Choose to love one another. Choose to love people even despite people. Some people are unlovable. I get it. Love them anyway. Make an effort to love somebody, to express the love of Christ. Every person in this room has the love of Christ in them, right? God loves you. He's he's there with you, and you have the opportunity to give that love to somebody else who you have no idea. They may be really, really struggling. Number one, let's love one another. Number two, let's serve one another. I shared the example of Jesus putting on the towel and washing the disciples' feet, praying for one another is a way we can do that. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. Find somebody that you can pray for. Find somebody that you can share your story with. Find somebody that might be in need, and it can be a physical need, an emotional need. It can be all kinds of needs. But find a need that you can meet. Practice hospitality. I tell you, there's something that everybody in this room can do is you can give encouragement. You can encourage somebody. You can look at somebody and say, hey, God is for you, not against you. God's got this. Trust him. I did it to you this morning, didn't I? Yes. It's something every single one of us can do. Every single one of us. Even if you need encouragement, try encouraging somebody else. You might find yourself encouraged. Encourage others. Number three facilitating biblical fellowship is, starts when we care for one another. Romans 12:15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Life is full of good times and bad times. It's cyclical, right? Sometimes we're on the top. Sometimes we're on the bottom. Look for opportunities to, to support one another. Look for opportunities to care for other people in your life. Now, let me take it outside the church, and then I'll bring it right back in. Sometimes we we don't see anybody in the church because, again, we're all put on the mask. And we're all like, hey, you doing good? Doing good? Everybody's good. Nobody to care for, right? But there's people around us. There's people in our families. There's neighbors. There's classmates. There's people in the marketplace that we run into. Practice caring for people, encouraging people. Make it a, make it a practice. Let it be What comes out of you when you're around people? And then when you're in the church, you're going to have the opportunity to encourage and care for others in the church. Lastly, the last thing is if we're going to truly facilitate biblical fellowship, we've got to, we must learn to forgive one another. Jesus gave us an example of forgiveness when he died on a cross gave his life for our sins, right? We're called to forgive. We're commanded to forgive one another. And Maybe you don't have something against somebody in this room, but there's somebody in your life that you haven't forgiven. When you hold unforgiveness in your heart, it's real hard to do anything we've talked about today. Unforgiveness is like a cancer on the inside of us. It's like a tumor on the inside of us, and it just festers, and it It becomes toxic. We become toxic. And we have a hard time encouraging anybody else or comforting anybody else or serving anybody else or loving anybody else because we are toxic. Jesus goes so far as saying, if you can't forgive your brother, God can't forgive you. Now, that's heavy duty. That's, that's, That's as crazy as it gets right there. But he he wants us to know he's serious about this because that unforgiveness on the inside when it makes us toxic then we begin to hurt people hurt people hurt people so I want to encourage you today if you you haven't forgiven someone in your life to to, to make way to forgive to forgive others forgive that person, it could could be your spouse it could be your parent, it could be grandfather or grandmother. It could be an ex-boss or an old friend. It could be someone from another church, right? We talked about that earlier. Release that person. And maybe you're here today and you're like, there's no way, pastor. You don't know what they did to me. I get it. It's tough. At minimum, pray today. Just pray today and say, God, would you at least give me the desire to forgive them? At least give me the desire to forgive them he'll help you he'll help you along the way he'll encourage you he'll bring you to a place where you can release that person where they can where they can go on and live their life and you can be healed of your toxicity of your bitterness and and I will say this this may surprise some of you but the person you need to forgive may be yourself it may be yourself You may be holding a grudge against yourself for some of the regrets that you have, some of the disappointments that uh, you wish you'd never done. It's okay to forgive yourself. It's It's okay to cancel the debt you're holding against yourself. You might find a freedom that comes with that, a release that comes with that and allows you to experience God's love, to give God's love, to serve others, to be an encourager, to be a comforter, to be healed get healthy people healed people heal others we bring the love of christ to others we make a difference in other people's lives there is a lot to be said about biblical fellowship it was god's idea he wants us to be family he wants us to be the body of christ encourages one another and lifts one another up but it's a decision that we make Are you willing today to love people despite them? Are you willing today to give comfort to others? Are you willing today to forgive? Let's pray. Come on, just get alone with God all over the room. Heavenly Father, we need you right now. We need you. Help us. Help us to surrender. Help us to let go. Help us to lean in. We pray today, Father, that you would forgive us and cleanse us of our sin. We pray today, God, that you would help us to forgive others. People in our lives that have hurt us, Father, today, we choose to forgive them. Come on, all over the room. Somebody you're holding on, and just right now, just say, Father, I forgive them. I forgive them for what they did to me. Those that are holding on to that unforgiveness right now, say, Father, I forgive myself for the things I've done. Spirit, we're asking you to stir something inside of us to help us to to see the needs around us, to be able to serve those around us, to care for those around us, to comfort those around us. God, that we could be what you had in mind when you created the church. Body of believers that loves God and loves one another. Come on, if you're here today Again, no one's looking around, but you're here today and you're far from God. You need to hear this. God loves you. The Bible says that you were born a sinner and God wasn't happy with that. So he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the debt for your sins. And today your sins are forgiven. The Bible goes on to say that all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and confess it with your mouth and you would be saved rescued from the wrath of god from the penalties of sin you're here today and god's reaching his hand out and saying i love you will you say yes come on if that's you all over the room nobody's looking around but pray something like this just let's pray a prayer together a prayer of faith together if that's you just say father in heaven please forgive me for my sins i turn from them today and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. Just telling this. Say, God, I give you all of me today. And I receive all of you, Jesus. And everything you've done for me. In Jesus' name.